0: Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D H A R M A Media.com. Welcome back, family, to this week's edition of Conversations with Z and Vin. Z, today we are talking about relationships, and within relationships we're talking about harmony. What does it mean to have a harmonious existence when your views don't always align, uh, when you both might want what's in your best interest, not necessarily in the other person's? Or even if you do have some mutual vision of what your life together should look like, You've got different ideas of how to go about getting there. And this came up today for me because we took my kids to get vaccinated. One of them had the first shot and had a horrible reaction to it. I was here at home the day that she had the reaction. Her fever spiked up. She was projectile vomiting. Her heart was racing at one point. And I look at this, and again, We don't have a dogmatic stance on vaccination. I'm just looking at this situation from the standpoint of my child. We have two kids that we got vaccinated. And for the older one, I'm not concerned because she didn't have the same reaction. So we brought her in. She got the second shot today. But the younger one had a pretty severe reaction even before we got her the shot, I suspected that she might react that way just based on what I know about her. And after it was borne out, knowing what I know about the vaccines and the fact that the second time around might be more serious than the first because you've got the antibodies which have built up, I didn't want to do it. And so my wife and I were talking about this and I thought we were on the same page, although I realized in retrospect, maybe she was a little bit afraid of my view because I, I was reacting pretty seriously. I mean, I was upset after after uh, my, my middle daughter got sick. And so maybe she was trying to appease me. Uh, maybe she hoped that we would get to the doctor's office and I would just end up going ahead and getting the vaccination. But we get there. And I didn't want to do it. And I thought that we were on the same page, but we weren't. And so it turned into this argument at the worst possible time, when we're there in front of the doctor. And I'm freaking out the doctor because I'm getting upset. And then we're in the waiting room trying to figure out what to do. So we punted on the decision. We decided to to come back and, and figure things out. And I don't know exactly what direction we're going to go, but – It's interesting to me because we both want what's best for our child. I I do believe we both love her tremendously. We've got different views of what that is, what that looks like. And in this particular situation, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of middle ground. There's some middle ground in that we can delay for a bit. But even that delay, it's only a period of a few weeks or, or maybe a week. So what does that really do? So... We have to go in one direction or another. It's a binary outcome. There's no compromise. And we think about this as you and I were talking about how do we get to a harmonious state when confronted with situations where there is no common ground? There's no real chance for compromise. Maybe there's no time. You know, maybe with time we would get on the same page. But we don't have that time right now. So what do we do is such that one person isn't resentful of the other person? Uh, we can move forward. It's interesting to me because uh, I feel like there was some subterfuge in the whole situation uh, that my wife expected me to follow along. Actually, I wasn't even supposed to go to the appointment. I insisted. She wasn't planning on that, so she was planning on doing this thing anyway. And at first that upset me when I realized that, but then I thought about it and I thought, you know, maybe it's actually not a bad strategy. Maybe, Z, to do what you're talking about, which is preserving harmony, maybe that's the right way to go. Uh, we don't always have to know everything about the other person. Some of what we keep private may make it easier to function and it just sidestep situations like this instead of confronting something head on where there's very little chance for resolution. So, we've said in the past that life is all about strategy. There are certainly strategies for having more harmonious interactions. Let's kick off over there. I'm curious what your observations are and maybe if there are general principles that we can think about for how to create that harmony when we're dealing with people who are very close to us.
1: Well, Van, this topic that we're getting into is, is something that all of us listening and, and, and who have been following this uh this journey uh we have online this dispassioned observer the opt-out movement all that uh we really work with narratives what do things mean what how do we use language to build our tantra yantra and mantra <clears throat> so when we think of harmony this is a part of the physics of our nature. Natural phenomena is based on harmony. In nature, there is no such thing as balance. There's nothing in nature that is 50-50 set that way all the time. It's always harmonious. The length of each day is not exactly the same to the second. It varies from second to second. A 24-hour day is really 23 hours and 56 minutes with variances and fluctuations. And it is the momentum of time concept that gives us the extra four minutes that we call a 24 hour day, when it's really 23 hours, 56 minutes. So when we deal with harmony, it is the ebb and flow, the high, the low. It is the the gift, the giver, the gain, the loss, the winner, the loser, the second place, the third place. And as we start to think about that and we build strategies around harmony, not on balance, not based on balance, not 50-50, not based on dual, uh, dualistic or, or, or even uh, binary in a sense. You give, I give. There's an old saying I mentioned to you before we started the podcast that older women I used to hear say, they said, don't let the right hand know what the left hand was doing. And I used to think that was the most devious thing in the world when I first heard it. So you're hiding and keeping secrets from your partner, your husband, and that's the advice you give people. And as I matured in life, I realized it wasn't so much coming from a place of being devious, but in a place of understanding the ebb and flow of things. How do you keep one thing intact while moving into another thing that is might oftentimes may be adversarial. So you, you pick your fight, so to say. So when you deal with any human interaction that is wholesome, the roles of people vary at different times. And also you're dealing with people who have interpreted their backgrounds and their life, their life issues very different. Some people are more fearful. Some people are more anxious than others. Some people are uh, more assertive. Like we had our meeting the other night and and, and, and one of our associates was talking about the back the cultural background she was from was pushy, pushy, fight, fight. So the harmony there would would be learn how to not fight as much. You may still fight, but not as much because you don't want to, uh, you don't want to hurt yourself interactions. You don't want to destroy relationships. So finding harmony is like good music. How do we make good music together? Not everyone can lead the band, but everybody can be in the band. And if the band works well together, the music is beautiful. But if each artist and each musician is fighting for an equal share all the time, the music isn't worth listening to. It's not harmonious. So you look at the background of disharmony. Disharmony. Sometimes it comes from fear, anxiety, the sense of wanting to approval when you know the person may potentially disapprove of. But for the bigger picture of life, we want to find that fluid medium that we transition through. You get what you want. I'll get what I want. I like to say mutual discomfort. I don't like to say mutual comfort. I like to say let's find a mutually uncomfortable position. The reason I say that is because we start from that place. We each are giving a little more than we thought we could give. We're able to listen a little better. We're able to have a bit more empathy because we're both coming from a place where we put ourselves in a place of mutual discomfort, a give and a take. I've been a vegetarian, for example, all my life. I married someone who eats meat. In the beginning, she would hide the meat. In the beginning, she would go somewhere else and eat it. Then she got a little comfortable, and she would tell me, oh, I have some meat in this part of the fridge. And I said okay don't cook your meat in my in certain dishes let's separate the dishes. And for a while it was okay then she got uh as happened she got more comfortable with it and then I would go in the fridge and there would be some bleeding piece of flesh hanging out the fridge and I was just good god what is this? Is it a, is a deer head or something? And she oh no that's there. And so I had to push a little bit and say no I just need you to honor my cultural and religious stylings which Has sanctions against meat eating. That's all, and then she would back off. But for her, it's not a natural thing to do. And of course, when her parents and things come by, the 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 food is filled with all sorts of animal carcasses and things like that. And it 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 it's a religious, a cultural, and it's a very important part of my life being a vegetarian. I don't expect that to be a bit important other people's lives. So. Over time, we've had to negotiate this understanding because also, you remember what I'm saying, this is part of my deeper life philosophy, not just a dietary protocol or a transient fad. So, it's been times when it's been kind of rough, but I also had to look at was she purposely malicious? Did she do like the Americans do GIs do in Saudi Arabia and just wipe pork on people? No, she wasn't doing that in a malicious way. It was just unaware. It was it was simply a blind spot, not a tentative, low situational awareness. So though nothing changed, my understanding of the lack of malice changed. And so we continue to work on that. And I have to put myself in an uncomfortable position. For the greater harmony of the family, I have to scoot over a little bit, right? I have to move a little bit to a place where I don't want to be. Maybe the blanket—you're uh, sleeping on the blanket with your partner, and they're a different size than you, and so they—they uh, they pull, roll the blanket up, and now your feet are cold, right? Do they hate your guts? Do they want you to die of freezing weather? No, that's not it. It's just a lack of awareness, and that lack of awareness offers. window, the window open for disharmony. So if we all work on awareness, if nothing else awareness, there are less events of disharmony. And when we are in a steady place, we can come up with strategies that allow mutual discomfort. And when it comes to shared parenting, it is even more challenging. And there are areas of shared parenting where you have a vision of how you want your children to be raised, and hopefully we're not far apart on that. And um, fortunately, my wife and I have a very common view of our upbringing of our children. But if there's any variations, for example, if you have fears of their health and things like that, make sure that it's buffered through your partner so that you can discern between a real fear and anxiety and illusion of bad things happening because the anxiety and illusion of bad things happening will bring into your you bring into your domestic life a lot of disharmony a lot of disharmony so that means that each parent has to check themselves and so what is them and what is you but each person when we come into any situation we're bringing our own personal baggage so we may read a situation a certain way. It's like I go to a, a, a parts place that I'm familiar with, and I, I have a sense that the guy is, is uh, not uh, really, uh, how should I say, racially fluid. I think the guy's a little racist. Um, but he's a nice guy. You see, you see the contradiction here. But he's a nice guy. So I'll often ask him, Are we cool? Do you have a price for me and a price for people that aren't like me? I want the good price, the best price you can give, and he'll often deny stuff. So I'll send in somebody to buy the part and then compare the price. Every now and then, everything's okay. But why do I go there? Why do I interact with people like that? Because not everything in society is going to be to your complete liking. That's called balance. That's called fair. Nature isn't like that. It's harmonious. For all the times I think that I might have been slighted by this guy, he's actually given me free things and helped me out quite a bit that balances everything out. He's given me bonuses or or other things going on there. So people say, well, how can you deal with the guy? The guy's kind of racist. I said, you know what? Everybody's kind of racist. Because they were raised that way. Whoever you were raised in your household and you're familiar with, you have an affinity for. Anybody you didn't grow up around, you don't have an affinity for. So we want to talk about harmony, not balance, not fair, not equal. I don't even talk about equality because it doesn't exist in nature. Harmony does. The back and forth, the to and fro. And as you, if you want to get more detailed and more intimate about it, when it comes to social issues such as the vaccine and politics of vaccine it isn't what's going on now, it's everybody's background that's led up to this point, point. and I believe those that are wise, not necessarily uh, angelically wise, probably wickedly wise, they understand the nature of human beings. Some people are more susceptible to fear triggers. Some people are more susceptible to intellectual triggers. Some people are more susceptible to tribal triggers. We hear certain things. We respond a certain way. So there's a mad rush that people are ravaged by fear right now. And if you historically have a subliminal trust in the government, you have a deep trust in the pharmaceutical industries, you have a deep trust in the status quo, even if your intellect is contrary to that, where you hold your deep subliminal trust and confidence will shine. It will have a greater influence than not. Inversely, if you're somebody who has doubt or question the system as it is, if you wonder about pharmaceutical companies and Roundup and all the weird things going on, and that's something that bothers you, you will be a little more hesitant about how you view the current style of addressing this pandemic. That doesn't make anybody bad, but we are subjects to the biases and the counterbalances of life that we are striving to adjust those so that we can have more harmony. You don't want to be like a scale weighted on one side till you're out of balance. You want to be a scale that the The weights are moving gradually one way or another in order to find your true north, to find the right middle ground. And middle ground isn't isn't an absolute place. Is it a little middle of the left? Are you middle of the right? Are you a little middle of the top? A little middle of the bottom? If you understand that, then we can talk. We can work it out. We don't have to have a line in the sand drawn. A meat eater and a vegetarian can coexist, right? A Republican and a Democrat can coexist, right? And there, and when I say, I was told by a very wise friend of mine, Manny, that there is no middle. And I would say that the middle, I say I agree with that in the sense that the middle is not an absolute place. I am a pro-Second Amendment vegetarian. How do you, how does that, you see, so... I, I, I like this view, and I don't like that view. And I try to navigate through there so that I find harmony in my own understanding of this life and me. So as you're going through what you're going through, that many of us, I shouldn't say you've been, I say all of us are struggling with that. Let us have compassion enough to know that fear and anxiety can drive people to lie, to create subterfuge, to be deceitful. But those people are not bad people. They are not malicious people. They are anxious and fearful people. And this system that we move about thrives upon that, as we've talked about many times. It thrives upon fear, anxiety. So left is not, is not left, and right is not right, and up is not down. Uh, up, up is not up. So what I'm saying is that we live in this kind of mad hatter world that is governed by fear and anxiety. For those of us who have opted out and seek a more harmonious path through life, we step away and just look at things. When you come to this place, as you know, for the for the uninitiated, our dharma community is a weird community. We talk about everything. We talk openly and free. Nobody's offended. Nobody's threatened. Nobody needs to be uh, get a trigger warning. And it gets rough sometimes, but it's always warm. It's always cool. Right, Caitlin? Caitlin and I were talking today about something. I told Caitlin, she told me that I look scary on camera. right? She We were doing a filming and she said, oh, you look scary. I said, you know, for telling a black man that he looks scary is very racist. I told her that. And she said, well, so what? And <clears throat> you look scary, and I need to call the police. Um, she had a, a Karen moment, as they say. No, and then, you should have seen the look, though. Yeah, whatever. You would, like, staring me down. She, she's doubling down on her <laughs> racist trope. <laughs> but what do I know about Caitlin? I know Caitlin is the hub of the wheel of everything we're doing. She's a great human being. But she was raised a certain way, uh, inbred in somewhere. And, and they had certain views and weren't a lot of people like me around. And so I look scarier than maybe some schoolyard shooter that she went to high school with. And they look friendly and warm and everything. And she, oh, he, he looks great. Um, but I don't take that to heart. I don't feel, because the harmony of the community allows me to constantly work on this idea of mutual discomfort. I have my nephew here, Jante. He's just great. They're just great. They're learning the trade. But he dresses weird. Okay. For my generation, he just looks weird, right? He dresses, he dresses straight. Caitlin's telling me how Nora looks. For me, it's a weird way of dressing. Um, but I, I started thinking about looking at it through from my eyes. Then I put on my harmony gargles, and I said, in the I, live, I come from a different time, a little more formality, a little more conservative way of presenting yourself in a professional situation. And let me see how it goes before I make a rigid, snap judgment and try to alter everybody to fit me. Let me observe. So that's called mutual discomfort is the pause I take, the time I take to sit and listen because it's uncomfortable to listen. It's uncomfortable to wait your turn. It's uncomfortable to give a little space to someone. But that allows for harmony to develop. So that mutual discomfort, when it comes to back, circling back around when it comes to how that can hurt relationships when there seems to be deceit involved. Step back a little bit and say, was it malicious deceit or was it born of fear, misunderstanding, anxiety, tribal attachments and all that? Then you can make a better decision about a situation. And what we're seeking is harmony the continuum of flow, a holistic back and forth, ebb and flow. And sometimes the water is deep, and sometimes it's shallow. But in the middle of that, it's calm seas. So that's what we're striving for with harmony. The same way with personal things of health care. People always ask me, do I have to do it this way? I used to be very rigid. You must absolutely do everything this way. Take your formulas three times a day, at this time of day, do this, don't eat that, don't eat this. And people say, Z, it's so hard to do that. I said, well, then then suffer, then just suffer. Either one way or suffer, very binary. Then I realize that there are so many more dynamics to human wellness and well-being. Let's give these people an opportunity to flow in and out, and hopefully flow more in than more out in terms of their personal health care. Right. So, Maybe you slip up on the weekends with your friends and you don't eat as healthy. Well, then let's make up for it during the week. And by Wednesday, we're back on track. And as we go into the next weekend, we go into awareness. And I won't overdo it. I try to work. We talk about domestic situations. uh, My wife is very busy all the time, all the time. And she pushes herself till she drops to exhaustion. And I'll watch and I, I get sad because I want her to have rest and more time for me bottom line. But I know when I watch her during the day, if she doesn't take breaks and she has 50 different projects going on, well, it's going to be a lonely night for me. I know that. And it's going to accumulate and then it becomes lonely weeks and lonely months. And so I try to offer a nudge, go on and take a break. I got that covered. Let's let that go. Let's hire a helper. And she doesn't take the first cue, but I also have grown to understand that she isn't doing it because she's the wicked witch of the West. It's because she came from a background of people who were desperate, who had came through very difficult times and epigenetically handed that down generation after generation, that we have to keep moving, we have to keep going, uh, we have to survive. Those times are long gone, but the resonance of that is still around. So we're working with the idea of valuing downtime. I really value it because I've gone through enough in my life to really honor living. That breathing is a good thing to do because I've known so many people that aren't breathing anymore. I've lost so many people that I realize that the little time that we have with each other will never be enough So when I shut down, I shut down. When I'm off work, I'm off work. Uh, When I meditate, I meditate. When I do my chores, I do my chores. And when I'm done, I'm done. I don't monkey bar from one thing to another. So those are lessons I've learned in my life. Because others have not learned that lesson, again, it doesn't make them bad people. It it makes them uh, worthy of our example. And as is said in the Tao Te Ching, what is a good man but a bad man's teacher? And what is a bad man but a good man's job? You follow me, Vin?
0: Yeah, you've said a few things that I think are very useful. One being this concept of empathy or compassion, which is a Buddhist concept. And I remember some of the Buddhist texts that I've read, it talks about how when you're really in the heat of the moment and you're at someone's throat, or you're just wondering why they're being so mean, why they're causing you so many problems, to step back and realize that everyone is ultimately the same, that all sentient beings want to live. They all want to feel good. Everyone is seeking joy, even if they're misinformed. So we may go about it the wrong way, but we all hurt, we all feel pain. We're all striving to get beyond these things. And in that, it becomes easier to understand someone's motivations. Uh, and a lot of the animosity that we might hold, the resentment, the grudges, just with that simple act of understanding, that falls away even if it doesn't change the actual situation. So I think that's something that's important to keep in mind. This idea of harmony being flow is also something that resonates with me that you've got this back and forth. It's never 50-50. Uh, 50-50, maybe it's something that works in third grade or it's something that you're taught when you're young, but you think about how life actually is. If you have any static allocation of anything, uh, if there's any stasis, there's no life. The whole basis of life is movement. So to maintain that harmony, we need that given flow. We need that mutual back and forth. Sometimes you come out ahead relative to what uh, you were willing to sacrifice. Sometimes maybe you're you're a little bit behind, but over time you've got that healthy exchange and you're in this together. So there's no one person who's always coming out ahead. Uh, there's a certain dynamic aspect uh, to the relationship. There's a dynamic movement and it's kind of like the two people are tethered together. I can almost visualize this. You think about something going down the river, like two rafts going down the river and they're tied together. So at some points, one might be ahead, the other might be behind. At other times, the situation might flip, but they're always on that journey together. They're always basically moving forward at the same rate, uh, even though the specifics at any given moment might be very different. Uh, So that principle is useful. The other thing you mentioned is this whole idea of having different backgrounds and different approaches based on our life experience, based on things like anxiety versus intellect, or maybe it's not even one versus the other, but how you feel about a particular issue in a particular moment. And being able to sit down, and maybe the strategy over there is to get to a point where you can get beyond the anxiety. Uh, Maybe it's a deferral strategy, which in some ways is what I tried to do today, which is buy some more time, have more of a discussion around this and maybe we can get to a state where we're willing to discuss and engage and move beyond some of the anxiety and then figure out the right path forward. So all of those strategies make a lot of sense to me. I mean I would almost write those down as things to keep in mind uh, when dealing with our loved ones or or really more broadly than that, uh, dealing with anyone in an ongoing set of interactions. If it's a one-off, maybe it doesn't matter that much. But if we have repeated interactions, we need to make sure that it's a relatively smooth relationship and it's a bit of give and take. Um, I guess what I'm still wondering, Z, that uh, I could use your help on, your perspective on is, you know, at times there's just an impasse. And maybe that impasse is because we're too far apart philosophically. Maybe it's the pressure of time. So if we had more time, if we get by the anxiety, for example, we could come up with a better solution. If we could talk some more, uh, we could reach some common ground. Or maybe we could even reach a better solution that none of us envision at the present time. So we can work together on the problem and come up with uh, an even more compelling direction than, what, than the direction that we set out in. Uh, but a lot of times we don't have that time. We don't have that luxury. We've got issues that we have to deal with immediately, and we find ourselves at an impasse. What are your thoughts on that? any advice for how to navigate that situation
1: again harmony if your objective is to be harmonious, one must be the divine diplomat, the ambassador of your cause, the ambassador of your philosophy of your upbringing be the best ambassador, be the best diplomat that you can be, and find that mutual beneficial ground. It may not be common ground, but it may mutually beneficial at that moment. And it's at that moment that works, but we're gonna strive for the moments coming. Each moment gives gives breath and life to the next moment. So one of the staying abilities is when there's always dialogue, when there's always communication, creativity, and mutual work together. It only ends when there's no longer dialogue or work together. One of the death nails of any healthy interactions is when people get into absolutism. This is my way or the highway. Uh, people said they used to have a term. I remember people say we're deal breakers. This is a deal breaker, and people had a lot of deal breakers. So the more you have these deal breakers, the more fragile the opportunity for diplomacy is, and there there may be key things that are deal breakers, which makes sense, but you shouldn't have a lot of those, uh, a, a micro deal breakers, little things that could cause major fissures. And so you want to be a good diplomat. And when you're working with people, be it your partner, business partners, or friends, first take stock of who you are and then understand who you are in the role of their lives. What archetypes do you, are you similar to? What likenesses have they seen in your life? What roles do they play? And then you'll start to understand better about how the disharmonies arise. But also you remember that the reason you're standing there, because at one point it was very harmonious. Go back to the honeymoon phase of relationships. When you first met a person and you couldn't wait till that next phone call or you could talk to them for hours and hours about every idea and everything that was in your heart, and even after you got off the phone, you would long to hear from them again, and you couldn't wait to that next meeting. So that was the foundation of the interaction. As the as you become more familiar, more comfortable, then the 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 demons of upbringing come up, all the old archetypes and placements, and and the convenient places we drop people off. Are they like my mom? or are they like my dad? Or are they like my sister or brother? Or is it just like so-and-so I've always known? And that's when that passion starts to subside. It doesn't die, but it subsides. And then the fire goes down. When the fire goes down, the cold can come in. And you feel fed up. You feel angry, betrayed, pissed off. And there's no harmony. There's just this absolute negativity. There's absolute zero in the house. We don't ever want to get there. So developing mechanisms of, in that moment, being able to process it first yourself and maybe, as you said, wait. Not stuff it down, but just wait when there's a better opportunity to talk. You know, I had a conversation uh, I, I do that. I store things a little bit. And I try not to store them too much. And I say, when the opportunity comes, I'm going to talk about it. So uh, our home's very cluttered, right? My wife hoards a lot of stuff. And she came one day. She bought my car. She said, oh, your car is really dirty. So said, well, it's not dirty. It has a lot of stuff in it, the kids' stuff, this stuff. I'm hauling stuff around. But And, and she says, oh, your car's so dirty. And I got in her car, and it was actually very dirty. And I, this was a few weeks ago, and I mentioned to her when she mentioned something else, I said, I just want to point out to you your observations of my things and your things. I'm going to show you a huge bag of garbage I took out of your car that wasn't in my car. But you seem to notice things in my car, but not yours. And she gave me this kind of look that she gives me sometimes. And I'm not sure she was. it was about how long I had stored that or that I brought it up, I felt it was an opportune time. And what I wanted to do was to bring it up not for the sake of malicious, but for the sake of us always educating ourselves on observations and the birthplace of opinion. Why did you see one thing and not another? Why do you see flaw in one place and not in another place? Why do you see your clutter different from my clutter? It has something to do with value. It has something to do with the way our attention is drawn to things that excite the mind, either positively or negatively. And if we can understand the workings of our own mind, we can then come up with, with very nuanced, ambassadorial methods to maintain harmony within your family, harmony at work. Here we do this at work. We have many different types of teachers and clinicians at Dharma. It works best when you allow each person to be their best and not your best. And wherever they are lacking, we know how to fill in for that lacking or that deficit. Because their value is greater than the, the, the thing that they don't do so well. The overall good of them is much better. Is the person skillful, knowledgeable, trustworthy? yeah? is their mannerisms a little off from what you like yeah but what's the most valuable thing what will bring harmony to the unit as a whole so that's the way we want to look at it so sometimes you do wait maybe wait till your temper has gone down wait till you depersonalize it wait for you wait for a moment where you can do a much more objective analysis of how you felt what went on what pushed your button and then when you're clear on that, you can then have a forum of discussion that hopefully remedies or mitigates that disharmony. You follow me, then? Final thought, man, is we talked before, the meaning of life is joy. You find joy when you dispatch your duties. Life is shorter than you think. We need each other. Let harmony be your mission with your health, with your mental and emotional well-being, with your family and social interactions. Life is short. Life is precious. The purpose of life is joy. See you next time.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.